0: Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi! Thanks for joining me for episode three hundred and thirteen of Hippie Witch Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna Devoe, and I am the cookie creatrix behind Cake Ass Witch, putting the K in Magic and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace Love and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www. JoannaDeVoe.com, or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. Happy Tax Day! Happy Tax Day to those of you listening to this on the day it airs in America. Happy Tax Day! (laughs) Today's show is, is... Inspired in part by Tax Day. Uh, And it is called Riding the Wheel to Become the Master of Your Fate. So, this is why. Let me give you the why of the show before I get into the show of the show. So, I pulled the wheel card yesterday. I pull a tarot card every single morning. I typically, it depends on the day ahead. If I have a stressful day or if I have a lot of things I have to do, I will ask a question. In regards to that, and then if it's just a regular old day, I will ask a question like, it's always a, with with the bent of pro, pro-noia, right? So I'm looking to, I ask very specific questions that I find empowering. So if it's just an average day, I'd be like, how can I get... The most joy out of this day, how can I stay grounded in joy and really experience all this day has to offer if it 's a day like tax day, I might say, um, you know, how can I keep calm and in a place of power as I go about this day? Something like that. I ask questions that have to give me an empowering answer, regardless of the card that I pull that 's how I roll so yesterday I pulled. The wheel card. And uh, I got so much out of that that I thought I would just make a show of it today. Um, but for, but just to put it in the context of taxes, I didn't realize until pretty late in the game, December maybe, January, I realized, holy crap, I'm going to have this huge tax bill this year. And I have to come up with all of this extra money. And so I didn't want to panic I didn't want to struggle. I wanted to create that with some ease, using everything that, you know, to practice what I preach. And uh, so I gave it everything I got. But as tax day got closer, I did get very, very nervous because I did not know if I had raised enough money to pay the bill. And so it was very suspenseful. (laughs) I got, this guy is so cute. He's, he's Ernest the Angel. I got a guy named Ernest at h block and he's so he's an elderly gentleman i think he only works seasonally he does taxes seasonally but he has a hearing aid and his outfit looks like it's straight out of like the late 70s early 80s it's brown polyester pants with the brown big wide tie with a tie clip and then the shirt with the little gold uh it's like a beige button-down business shirt with the little gold threads in it. And he's got the white under undershirt. And it's so classic. It's like all American classic, like this image in my head. And, and it's all very well beautifully taken care of. Like he definitely takes pride in presenting himself this way, but <laughs> uh because of his age, it's just like a little time capsule sitting there with him. And and he goes, and you can tell he really, really loves what he does, but it becomes a frustration. He did my taxes last year and this year <laughs> because he wants to explain everything like how we came to this conclusion and that conclusion and how this tax law works. He's very passionate about it. So <laughs> when you're in suspense about what the final number is going to be, you just want to be like, Ernest, just tell me what it's going to be. Tell me. But I did not. I let Ernest do his thing and I thoroughly enjoyed the whole <laughs> production of it as much as I could, but I was definitely in suspense and, and wondering, like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Am I going to have enough? Finally, after two and a half hours of many stories and explanations of how tax law works, uh, I discovered that, yes, I do have enough to pay my taxes. I was able to write a check, pay it in full, and then there was a surplus of money that will end up paying for the kid and I's birthday trip to Nashville, Tennessee this year. So huge relief. My fortune, you know, I'm I'm talking about the wheel of fortune today. That was like a good fortune day. <laughs> the wheel was in my favor. But I remember thinking as I was going in like I did my absolute best. I know that I did my best. So what happens when your best isn't good enough, right? I was having like some fear thoughts going in there, like, what if my best isn't good enough? Uh, Not that the IRS is going to come, you know, carry you away like the boogeyman if you can't pay your taxes in full, but it starts to become like a thing where it's like, well, then you have, then you owe back taxes and, and you still have to pay your taxes next year. I just didn't want to get into all of that loop. Um, But having the thoughts of like, what if you do your best and your best isn't good enough? Sometimes it isn't. (laughs) Therefore, Magic, like ma- magic is my answer to that question. And there are so many things in life that feel this way. Like you can do your absolute best, but there's some other variable that you can't quite control. So anything that has to do with other people, for example, any kind of relationship, especially one in which you're not sure if your feelings are being reciprocated, uh, anything having to do with court getting a divorce, getting sued, suing somebody, like some of that is out of your control. You're dealing with other people and other people have a will too, right? Uh, sales and marketing is like that. Your health even to a very large degree. So much about life is out of out of your control that it can feel like you're just like, Woo, like spinning on this wheel and you're up and you're down and you don't really have a say in in how it's going to go. And uh, magic, 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 magic is my answer to that. <laughs> Maybe that's why we gravitate toward magic. Maybe it's just an illusion. Maybe magic doesn't help us at all. I I believe it does. It's helped me quite a bit. Um, but that's also why I gravitate toward certain things that I know for sure I can control. Like lately, what I've been loving, uh, in November, I did National Writing Month, Nano writemo And I set my word count goal to be 50,000 words that month, which meant I had to write, I forget how many it worked out, less than 2,000 words a day, but I just made my goal 2,000 words a day. So I would overshoot it and meet my goal for sure. And, And the way they have a website set up, so you put your word count in at the end of the day. And there's some sort of little reward system that Things off in your brain when you're you're seeing those words add up, whether they're quality words or not is a whole other conversation. Um, But I got so much out of doing that that I decided to join Camp Nano Write Mo this month. I'm doing it right now, and I've I've talked about that. But for those of you who haven't heard me say, and I just made the same goal. I'm going to write fifty thousand words. I've been writing two to three thousand words a day this round, and I'm realizing. What I love about it is I am completely in control, maybe not of the quality, like I can't really control that. I can do my best. What if my best isn't good enough, right? But I know for sure I can get the two to 3,000 words on the page every single day. That's something I can control, and there's some comfort in that. Working out is like that too. People that really are committed to exercising every day or five days a week, it's something that you can control. You can't maybe control everything about your body, but you can control that you're going to show up. You're going to show up. That piece of it you can control. Cleaning your house can be like that. And there's just comfort in controlling the things that you can because really we control so little. (laughs) And I think that at the heart of magic, or even religions, not just magic, just religions, like how many religions involve petitioning the gods for favors or miracles. At the heart of it, we're looking for some semblance of control. So how much control do we have? That we could argue about all day long and straight into eternity. I personally subscribe to the belief that we control more than we think we do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about magic and the law of attraction here week after week. Obviously, I believe that. I do believe that we can meet the universe halfway and that we can work with it in an intentional co-creative process to some degree. And my faith in that varies, I have to admit, depending on which side of the wheel I'm on, right? I definitely have my poor me moments. <laughs> and it's a, it's a it's a bold lie, probably. It's a bold thing to name this show, Riding the Wheel to Become the Master of Your Fate. Because can you really master your fate? Probably not. But you can transform fate into destiny. And that's really what I'm talking about when I'm talking about riding the wheel. So some decks, I'm talking about tarot here, tarot cards, some decks call that card fortune. And others call it the Wheel of Fortune. My deck, the Tarot Illuminati, calls it the Wheel. And uh, I like that because... I like that because I grew up, this is the truth, <laughs> I grew up with Pat Sajak and Vanna White in my living room every evening, thanks to living with a mother who tried her damnedest to never ever miss an episode of Wheel of Fortune, the game show Wheel of Fortune, for those of you who don't know, involves spinning a big wheel. <laughs> uh, it's very much like the tarot card, actually. Um And my mom did not just watch this show. Like, she full-body participated in it. She would get super emotional and yell at the TV. And she usually knew the answers before the actual players did, which always impressed me as a kid. I think she should go on the show. I think she would kick ass. (laughs) She's really good at it. Um, So when I see a tarot deck that labels that card that way as the Wheel of Fortune, it kind of takes me out of the mystical mood because my brain immediately starts going, Wheel of Fortune! And it turns into a really cheesy game show in my mind, which isn't such a bad thing, really, (laughs) when you think of it. It's kind of a fitting title uh, when you consider how the game show works. And also it's kind of a metaphor for life. Uh, When you start thinking about maybe life is a game, for example. And uh, yesterday on Twitter, before I knew I was going to do this episode, I just sort of like tweeted out a little thought I was having as I was contemplating my tarot card for the day. Uh, I wrote, life rolls on, change after change, fortune goes up, fortune comes down, fortune goes round and round. The trick is to stay at the calm, immovable center of the wheel. And that, I think, is about—you'll often hear me say that your point of power is in the now. I think it's related to that. The point of power is in the now. Being in the now, being in the present moment is being at the immovable center of the wheel— Otherwise, think of a wheel. Think of the game show if you must. Think of the tarot card or just think of a wheel on a car. If you're at the center of the wheel, that's a fairly calm, eye of the storm kind of place to be. If you're out where the rubber meets the road, you are at the mercy of the wheel turning and you're going to get like flung all around. (laughs) You don't have any control. And our emotions are like that. I think we get outside the calm center When we move outside the now and we start worrying about the past or the future, that it gets very, very uh, turbulent for us at those times. And we start panicking and we lose whatever ability we have to co-create our realities when we're in that headspace. Uh, So where do I want to take this? I don't know. I think Just talking about co-creating your reality. Um, it's interesting how some people will actually argue about whether or not we co-create our reality. And and that is, I like to argue about things. <laughs> I like to debate. That's the whole joy for me. And talking about, in about, in about spiritual things and personal development. It's partly how I learn and I love to think about how others are perceiving the world and maybe consider that perception and try it on for a minute. But when it comes to this, I do, I rarely just state an outright belief, something I believe is the truth. But when it comes to co-creating our reality, I absolutely believe that we do. There aren't many things I will say about that, you know, that this absolutely is true, true, true. You do, do, do co-create your reality. Um, and I would say that, because why even get out of bed otherwise, right? (laughs) You're at least co-creating your day to some degree. Like even choosing the clothes you're going to wear and the breakfast you're going to eat is a creative act. You are creating an outcome. You are the cause to the effect to some degree. I would even argue to a very, very large degree. And uh, so the universe... Let's just break it down to something very simple. The universe gave you the body that you've got. You didn't have much of a say in the body that you were born into, for example. That is your fate. What you do with that body is your destiny. So you've got that specific body, and the way you maintain it, for better or worse— uh how whatever shape you keep it in, whatever shape you choose to keep it in, uh creates an outcome. You dress it up in little outfits. (laughs) That impacts your your experience of life, (laughs) how you feed it, how you address it, how you move it. Uh and then in that way, fate responds in kind and becomes destiny in this co-creative process. To ignore your body or your fate completely is still making a choice about your destiny. You're still shaping your destiny by doing nothing, because in doing nothing, your body will begin to atrophy. So at the very least, there is that. My official argument for why, yes, of course you co create your reality. It, I, it gets a lot trickier when people get into like you create your entire reality and everything's an illusion and life is just a mirror for your thoughts and your feelings. I don't believe that. I I do believe in this mysterious X factor. Call it God. Call it the universe, source, fate, whatever. I've lived enough years on the planet to be like, okay, I don't cr- I don't control everything everything but but that's what that's what makes magic so fun because there's a mystery to it and and the outcome is not guaranteed so it's a little adventure and every adventure produces a different uh, result uh so then i keep trying to bring this back to the wheel before i go too far off any tangents (laughs) So in life, too, also, besides this is the body you were born with, using body as a metaphor for fate, um, your body's going to change and grow. It just is. Even if you ignore it, it's going to change. And the same is true of just life itself and fate. You're going to have to deal with change. No matter how badly you don't want to, um, fate is not fixed. It unfolds on the daily, and the universe will keep you on your toes because the only constant in life is change, right? Change after change. And the question is, can you find for yourself a sense of stability and peace in that constant change? Like what I was saying about being at the calm, immovable center. Can you let the change like spin out all around you and make decisions from your point of power, power in the now? Or are you just going to be on the outside of the wheel, like, ah, somebody help me? <laughs> to fight, to fight is to suffer and struggle. And in that way, the wheel takes you for quite the ride. Like, you're up, you're down, you're all around. To be at the calm center is to have some sense of mastery. Mastery over the mystery. I think that is a, uh, what is that called? An oxymoron. (laughs) So I have recommended reaching for my reading glasses now. I don't think I'm great at reading other people's work, although I try to do it from time to time because I'm such a book nerd. But um, you might hear pages shuffling because I'm grabbing my reading glasses and a book. I have recommended Kim Huggins companion guide to tarot illuminati more times than I can count because not only is the tarot illuminati uh the book goes with the tarot illuminati tarot deck um not only is tarot illuminati my go-to super beloved tarot deck have never found anything that I connect to like it it's very special deck to me Uh, not only is that true but this book is on its own beyond the deck The best book I have ever read on the subject of Tarot. So if you use a deck from the Rider-Waite-Smith system, I suggest picking up a copy of Complete Guide to Terra Illuminati and a highlighter because you're going to want to study this book. You want to study it rather than just flip through it willy-nilly because it's just packed full of wisdom. And uh, I think you'll be able to follow along just fine with it with the rider Waitsmith smith deck. If you use Thoth or something like that, it, it, you still probably would get something out of it. Because she's really well-versed in a lot of different subjects. Alchemy and mythology and astrology. It's just such a great book. Um, my one copy is pretty shabby at this point because of that. So anyway, I busted it out today to read a little piece of the chapter on the wheel uh, which, by the way, sits at the center of the major arcana, uh, not, I would say, by coincidence, but by design. I'm pretty sure that was that was by design. So, uh, anyway, this the subtitle for the Wheel of Fortune chapter in Kim Huggins' book is "The Riddle of Constant Change," and the text literally begins with this riddle. So, let's start with a riddle. <clears throat> I have a riddle for you. If you answer correctly, you may pass, for you will truly understand the nature of the universe and the precious wisdom of the tarot. There are four creatures of mighty power. One bears water, one soars the heights, one has the strength of the earth, and the other the presence of majesty. What can be found between them? That is the riddle. What can be found between these four creatures of mighty power? I'm going to read to you the answer. Just want to give you a little second to think about it. Do you, do you have an answer in your head? <laughs> here is what she says. And if, you, if you've never seen a tarot deck or, or the, the card, there are there's much more symbolism than what I'm just picking up on here to talk about this riddle. And she goes into more depth in this chapter, the different symbols. But there are these four, like, magical creatures in the corner of the card that the wheel sits in the middle of. So, just to put that out there. So, the number four is associated with this card, surprisingly, right? Number four is associated with this card, which might seem strange at first. Because while four is a number of stability... The Wheel of Fortune is a card of constant change. Four appears in the fourfold name of God, the four corners of the earth, the four letters, the four elemental symbols, and the four creatures that can be seen in the corners of the card. These creatures represent the fixed signs of the zodiac, Aquarius, Scorpio, Leo, and Taurus. And then there's a big chunk here where she's talking biblical. She gets all biblical about like, oh, uh, just stuff from the Bible that also gets into the fours represented in this card. Okay, so moving on, let's see. Why so many fourfold symbols of stability? Why? Why? Why, I ask you, why so many fourfold symbols of stability? Remember I was talking about being the calm center, right? That? Is stability. Why so many four, four fourfold symbols? The answer is found in the gaps between each of the four parts of the symbol. What is found in between the four elements? Oh, that's a question. Excuse me. What is found in between the four elements? What is found in between the four seasons? A state of change. One season becomes another through a state of transition. And the cycle continues on. So ch- change was the answer to the riddle. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, you know I'm a fan of the wheel of the year. So that really, really resonates to me because I tend to focus on the transition periods in between uh, in between the equinoxes and the solstices, we have cross-quarter days. I call them transitions. It's the it's when we're transitioning from spring into summer. That's the next one we will have. So we had the spring equinox. Then we're going to have Beltane, May Day. It's that begins in my book. <laughs> that begins the the summer transition when spring starts slowly turning into summer symbolizing change, the constant change of life. Um, She writes too a bit in this book about the Roman goddess Fortuna, but I will spare you reading anymore. You'll just have to get the book for yourself. Uh, I personally became interested in the goddess Fortuna a while back, or Fortune. Some people just call her Fortune. Um, Denise Duffield Thomas, who I like, uh, she did a series of videos in which... A Fortuna statue was a good a pretty one was is in the background, and she actually briefly mentioned that she was there quite intentionally that statue it was a it was a law of attraction kind of thing a feng shui slash law of attraction kind of thing that's why she had the statue there, and I really love her as uh, Fortuna. I love her as an icon of abundance and was considering adding her to my own money corner of my office after I saw that video or those, it was a series of videos. Um, I just thought that would be a fun little touch of magic and feng shui for my own office. And I have the perfect place to put it, but I have not done it yet. I think I probably will at some point, but, uh, I don't think Fortuna just represents constant flowing abundance, and that is what gave me pause. So I would say that if you're going to call in that energy to deliberately court financial abundance, that it would behoove you to acknowledge Fortuna's dynamic nature, the nature of change. It's not all... Lucky, lucky, lucky you. Fortune, fortune, fortune. Look at this abundance raining down on your head. Fortunes both rise and fall. So I don't know that I personally would naively just stick it in the corner because just because she this particular statue, she becomes bearing a cornucopia of gold coins. That's what makes her so appealing. Um, The statue I love and the one that Denise had in her office and the one that I see for sale most commonly on eBay and Etsy is a really long, thin, pretty woman in a toga, blindfolded, much like uh, Lady Justice, holding that cornucopia of coins I just mentioned. And the coins are in such abundance that they are spilling out and around her feet. It's a really beautiful image. It's it's, uh, it has a cup-runneth-over kind of feel to it, and if you want, if you want the statue just for that cup-runneth-over symbolism, I think it would be perfect. But if you're looking to channel the energy of that particular archetype, that goddess, I would look further into making a more informed decision. So I looked into it and now I can't go back. <laughs> if I would have just been like, oh, look, it's a lady holding a cornucopia of coins and they're so abundant, they're spilling onto her feet. I, that would be symbolism enough, right? That would be perfect for the money corner. But once you get into her mythology and, and what the goddess represents, then it's, it's more complex than that. So for one thing, there's that blindfold she's wearing, which suggests that fortune or luck, or fate is quite random. And it's not doled out by merit, always, obviously. Uh, bad things happen to good people, and vice versa. So in that way, Fortuna is, is kind of blind. It's not really like you get rewarded for good behavior. You do, but sometimes like bad shit happens too, right? The other thing is that most of the ancient statues of Fortuna the ones besides this one I'm talking about that you can buy on Etsy, <laughs> most of the other statues depict her not just with that cornucopia, uh, but also with her foot on an orb or wheel, and something called, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, a gubernaculum, gubernaculum, which is the old school Latin term for a ship's rudder. So a ship at sea, the rudder. And that is the piece That I'm most interested in as someone who is intent on putting as much energy into my side of this thing called co-creation as I possibly can. So the gods, the universe, fate may give that wheel a spin. But then you can grab the udder. You can grab the udder from there and steer your ship intentionally. Even through choppy waters. It is up to you to steer or be steered that's what the rudder means to me that's how i see the rudder it's like you're one little piece of hope <laughs> in that in that picture in that in that bit of imagery and so every choice you make is an opportunity for some course correction you might you might not be able to determine the hand that you are dealt just for another metaphor, let's go into playing cards, shall we? <laughs> Just randomly, from steering a ship to, to playing cards. You may not be able to determine the hand you're dealt, but you get to play those cards with as much cleverness and focus and joy as you see fit and are able. And I do feel that we can, I do feel that we can perhaps tease out some more favorable cards for ourselves using magic. And that there is a way to align ourselves with the seasons and the rhythms of nature in order to better produce a more favor- favorable hand. I do think we can do that as well. Some people turn to astrology for this. Others, like myself, the wheel of the year. Uh, and, and the wheel, I just love that, right? And still others, the phases of the moon, which is all, it's all the wheel of the year. The phases, the solar phases, the moon phases, uh, the phases of the cosmos. It's all just a whole bunch of wheels, I guess. Um, Or even your own personal energy cycles. But there is this image of a wheel that keeps turning and coming back around again and again and again. Nature and us... (laughs) People, nature, and we are nature. We move in cycles and circles and spirals, around and around. And there's something comforting about that, actually, if you really think about it. Especially if you believe in reincarnation, because we're always given another another shot. <laughs> we're always we're always given another chance because the wheel comes back around. Uh, which which brings me back around to talking about wheel of fortune (laughs) so even if you don't love tarot or you just want to be kind of subversive and silly you can literally look at at the game show as a metaphor for life you know because you give the wheel a spin and i remember being a kid watching watching the game show wheel of fortune and and we would sit there and debate about like how how I would spin the wheel if it was my turn to spin the wheel. Like Pat Sajak always says like, give it a good spin. But I always thought like, what if you just like, boop, bumped it over to the next one? Or like, what if there was like a $2,000 little spoke of the wheel? Like if you just bumped it over just one instead of giving it a big spin. Would they let you do that? Would Pat, would Pat Sajak let you do that? <laughs> um Anyway. Anyway, 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 not, I don't want to get too far into that. But think about it, okay? Think about it. <laughs> the whole process becomes a lot more pleasurable when you think of life as a game, which is why I'm, I'm joking and making fun of it, but not really. Like, you literally could look at a game like the Wheel of Fortune as a metaphor for life. Why not? Why not? We do that with a pack of 78 cards. What's the difference? And life is a game. Life as a game, that metaphor to me is really empowering. It may not, it, it, it might not bring you comfort when you've lost a loved one or your house burns to the ground. Um, although, maybe it could if you're just super duper extremely enlightened, unlike myself. <laughs> uh, you would definitely have to be far more enlightened than me because. I'm pretty sure I'm not that woke. I'm pretty sure if someone I loved died or I lost my home, I wouldn't be like, ha ha, it's all just a game. It's all just a game. Life is a game. (laughs) But I do have the wherewithal to take that attitude most of the time, much of the time, especially when it comes to money, for example, or any number of less life or death kinds of things. And, and that is why I can feel a little bit of fear going into the, into the tax place, but also the knowledge that, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. And I can just treat this like a game. And like, if I would have left there realizing, holy crap, I owe the IRS this much more money, I would have been able to pull it together. And I probably would have used the metaphor, life is a game. (laughs) This is just a little setback. Ah, bummer. I will spin the wheel again and see what I get the next time. So much of our experience, so much of our experience of winning and losing at life is, it's the result of the meaning that we assign winning and losing And that's why a metaphor like life is a game can be really helpful. So there are those who are so enmeshed with money as a representative of their own self-worth as a human being that they will literally leap from a tall building to their death when the stock market crashes. And then there are those who will simply, if that happens, file bankruptcy and start again and give the wheel another spin. And it's really all about the meaning that they assign to that experience. So... Can you see how choosing metaphors and assigning meaning to things can literally be a matter of life and death and how maybe thinking of life as a game could 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 make it a more pleasurable experience? Um, at the very least, it's a matter of pleasure. Are you enjoying your life or are you suffering over things that other people might not be suffering over? Are you alleviating your suffering by intentionally adopting a new metaphor for life or are you letting the wheel just whip you around as it will (laughs) what other metaphors can i grab onto will you take the rudder in hand and consciously steer or will you be tossed around like a rag doll in the waves every time life presents you with a storm so uh speaking of storms and 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 ships and all of that i think i'm gonna end this show with One of my all-time favorite poems, and I have read it here before, and I will probably read it here again because it, in a way, has been a rudder for me. It's something I come back to again and again and again and have relied on. It reminds me of my own potential to steer the ship. So maybe the ship is my fate, right? Um, But I can steer it and turn it into my destiny, in a way, and and loving this poem— And reading this poem to you right now, again, it makes me something of a cliche because many, many, many people rely on this poem for an extra bit of oomph when they need it. It's super famous. Queen Oprah is one of those people. (laughs) But cliches are cliches for a reason because they contain some truth. And boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy, does this poem contain a whole lot of that. Poem? Does this poem? Poem. Can you guess what poem I'm talking about, since we're playing guessing games here today? Dee, 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 dee. Time's up. <laughs> it is Invictus by William Ernest Henley. So I will end by trying not to botch this most excellent poem, and I will read it to you. Here we go. Are you ready? Out of the night that covers me, black is the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not. How straight the gate. How charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I love those last two lines. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It does not matter how fucked up shit gets. I will steer this ship. So don't let the wheel of fortune Wreck your good times, my friends. Be the captain of your fate. The master of your soul. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.